My name is Christian Carrion. I am the news editor at buzzerblog.com. I am a game show historian, and I've been a contestant on six game shows since the day I turned 18. And Christian Carrion! Yes! First game goes to Christian. Now it's Christian's turn to face the beast. You have $15,000, Christian. Now, in partnership with the National Archives of Game Show History at the Strong National Museum of Play, I'm talking to former contestants from all walks of life across the history of game shows to learn their stories. There's a cue card, someone holding cue cards on stage, and I remember them pull up the first card and I had rice coming out of my ears. They were I delivering I didn't know this. that it was like a thing for me. I didn't realize like I like I had the The way they look it, at I you just... as you tell them, yeah, I was on four game shows. They're like, no way. The era of daytime TV game shows was a wonderful time because there were games for everybody. Anita Gillette said, Jack and Jill's water. And I said, things in a pail, things in a bucket. And watching him being part of it. And that was uh, fascinating to me. And it turned out to be a way into the business, unbeknownst to me. It just takes me. over your body and it makes you do things that you don't normally think there you, you would go. do. <laughs> watching the producers try to evolve something that's going to grab the audience and make them say, no, no, don't And you just hold your brain and your mouth and your body are sort of communicating with you. During that five-second span of time where she knows she's not on camera, she just stares you down. I was looking at her and smiling just because I like her. So they offered me $1,000, and, it, you know, $1,000 is a lot of money, but when do you ever get a chance to take the box on Let's Make a Deal? And then one person would be like, how did you not get that answer? And that sticks with Game you. shows are like an art form of their own. They really don't get the recognition. It's not always smarter. It's just that they ask the questions that I happen to know the answer to, and or I'm a little faster Maybe after my time has come and gone in 50, 75 years, someone will hear this recording interview and say, huh, seems like an interesting time, these game shows. I should go look them people up. People ride bikes. People go bowling. I do game shows. I wanted to feel that rush of everybody applauding. As much joy as I might have brought you through the TV, believe me, the joy was all mine. Tell us about yourself. Conversations with game show contestants. New episodes weekly on all major streaming services, on Buzzerblog, and at museumofplay.org. Come join the fun. Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and for today's episode, well, I think it's time for us to get a little mythical, especially with not just the tales our artist tells, but the way he is able to tell it. Today's guest is Abraham Matias, a puppet artist and illustrator with a stunning style with his paper-cut puppets, making magnificent mythical worlds possible. This was a conversation I had been pining to have for a while. Seeing Abraham's uh, unique style 
and the fact that this is also the first time we have featured a puppeteer or a puppet artist on the podcast, which is an incredible feat on its own. The conversation that we would have was leaps and bounds more incredible and insightful than I could even imagine, and I already knew it was going to be an incredible one based on the visuals alone that he presented. Make sure you support Abraham with all the links down in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that stuff. I absolutely love it. I love you guys. Thank you. If you want to go a little bit further with that support, maybe you should consider contributing to the podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash PMAP. For as little as $1 a month for being a part of the Avid Art Enthusiast, you can get episodes one day early, discounts at the merch shop, bonus episodes when they drop, and so much more. Or you could be like the wonderful Wiley Coyote or Jacob Raglan and be content connoisseurs. Whatever your price point, whatever you're able to afford, any little bit certainly does help. It helps us grow, helps us get more opportunities to get out there and get our name out there, help with funding like thumbnails and future merch designs. And if you want to be a part of that contribution today and really help the podcast grow, I would greatly appreciate you going to patreon.com slash PMAP. To join for as little as $1 a month, I must reemphasize, $1 a month. Hey, look, if you can't do that and all you're just doing is looking for a cool place where you can talk about incredible artists and be a part of a growing community that is truly loving art, maybe you should consider joining our Discord server, The Artist Sanctuary. The group we've been developing and culminating there has been absolutely wonderful. Seeing the art they've been able to post, whether it's completed masterpiece or just little doodles, it's so much fun to see what people are able to post in there. And we think that you would be a wonderful addition to that group today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. I think you would actually be the first, like quote-unquote puppeteer or at least puppet artist to be on this podcast so that's a good little monumental step right. in the right direction so there you go <laughs> yeah that's that's great that's great <laughs> yeah. um it's oh you go ahead it's it's i guess a little hard um defining what i do like puppeteer and puppets all of that because it's like puppets it's such like a vast a variety of of what puppetry can can do right you have mm-hmm. i guess the most popular one is kind of like the muppets and that kind of stuff when i say puppets i think people usually go to go to that yeah. um because that's the most like prominent uh, most well known like you said <laughs> it, yeah yeah i know for sure and um i mean i've only started in puppetry for about since the pandemic actually during lockdown oh wow um, okay yeah so it's been fairly fairly recent i guess um and and yeah, I mean, I, I I myself even every day I still discover how deep the whole puppetry community really is, um, and it's very fascinating. Just like it, it's very inspiring to see how much there is still so much to learn, to discover, to meet all this new artists and old artists, and you know the legacy and the history of puppetry. I mean, uh, you can 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you know, thinking as far back as probably the beginning of just entertainment as a whole, like just thinking about some of the first puppets or whatnot that were probably used or whatnot, seeing kind of what that inspired, what that's kind of moved along or whatnot, and what people have been used with the medium to kind of express themselves more than anything else. Like I can see why it's kind of hard to define what exactly a puppeteer or a puppet artist is. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, on, on the trip that I took, I went to, I had a chance to go to Greece Okay. And at the and um the archaeology museum, the anthropology museum in Greece, I found that they had ancient puppets made of stone with oh, like wow. strings. Some of them were still holding. So we're talking about like, man, it goes like ancient civilizations. They were using puppetry <laughs> as like a medium of just entertainment, and that's fascinating. That is fascinating. Like whenever I said the beginning of entertainment, I didn't realize I was talking about ancient entertainment as well. Goodness, <laughs> that yeah. is outstanding yeah, yeah. to even think about. Goodness, and now here I mean, you I are. knew that Here's they like... had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew that the Greeks, of course, with the theater and myths and all of that. Of course, they had that legacy, but I had no idea about like the puppets. When I when I found them, I'm like, no way are are these actual like ancient puppets? I'm like, all right. <laughs> That yeah. is awesome. I need to see them now. I got to do a Google search after we get done with this interview. <laughs> All right, Abraham, before I really get going, I want to ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It is just you, alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe. You get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit. With accommodations, obviously. You're not stranded on this island. You just get to, a chance to relax. Okay, good. <laughs> To help with whatever vibe you want to try to go with on this island, you could bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to help with whatever headspace you want on this island. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? All right. Oh, man. I guess. Jeez, I think. I'm just talking right now because it's my current obsession probably would change in a month <laughs> but i think right now i'm pretty obsessed with uh with pinocchio from guillermo del toro ah, there you um, go there you go <laughs> so yeah i think i think i could easily watch that movie a, a thousand times on that desert island non-stop and not get sick of it <laughs> well, absolutely. Now, I so, yeah. i'll say i apologize at the time that we were recording this i have not watched it just yet. I want to so badly. I know I need to. It just came out, I, I think, yesterday or yeah. Friday. So it's, <laughs> yeah. But, like, let's be honest. Like, just just with the aesthetic that Guillermo was just trying to go for in the first place, more than anything else, you knew that was going to be a masterpiece from a mile away. Everyone knew it was going to be of a course, masterpiece. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think nobody needed to see like any image or anything at all. Just the mix of Guillermo del Toro, Pinocchio, like stop motion. Yes, please do do whatever it, the hell you want with it. It also doesn't hurt that you know Patrick McHale of uh, you know beyond over the garden wall, you know, helping out mm -hmm. with the script certainly does help you know, add yeah. a little bit more intrigue to it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually I was not aware that Patrick McHale had written the script with Guillermo del Toro and I remember the I've already watched I, I watched it twice in the theater in Los mm -hmm. Angeles and uh and I remember there was this just light hardness to it I kind of felt like you like Greg you know the humor that Greg has through yep. the over over the garden wall like yep. yeah like there was something about him like this looks familiar it's like it's so like likable and just like generally funny like not trying to be funny it's just actually like the jokes land really well mm -hmm. uh and when I found out about it I'm like of course that's that <laughs> that explains everything 
There you go. But nevertheless, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That is your answer. You're locking that in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then if that's, that's then if that's the case, I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. You can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> he is a puppet artist and illustrator with stunning paper cut puppets making a magnificent mythical worlds come to life. Welcome to the podcast, Abraham Matias! Ooh. Hey, that's a great intro. That's I, I, I should include that on my bio, on my website. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's there for you. I mean, I'd say go for it. I'm trying to make I, – I want to make sure that I give the people at least the first glimpse of what we're going to be talking about because, Abraham, ever since I've gotten introduced to your art or whatnot, I've just been absolutely, like, stunned with how gorgeous the settings that you create and how – the, the puppetry that you've been able to, to push out there more than anything. I was like, it's stunning what you've been able to do so far. And that's why I definitely wanted you on this podcast. So thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you. No, thank you so much. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, before we really divulge into the stuff you are creating nowadays, I want to go back just a little bit, if I may, and know more or less the origin story of Abraham. What got you interested in art in the first place? I think... I, I I can't remember a time in my life where I haven't been making stuff. Okay. Um, a lot of my illustrator friends are always like, "Oh, I was drawing all day." Um, I used to draw a lot as a kid, but I think the image of me as a kid making stuff would be making my own choice, building my own sets. Um, I grew up in Mexico. I'm from Guadalajara, okay. and a lot of times, either like, I don't know. Uh, movies or shows would come out and the choice either they didn't exist at all or sometimes they didn't sell them in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I, my solution to that, I had, um, I had a craft store right uh, next to my house. So, you know, my mom would just give me, you know, 50 pesos, which is like $2 and I would able to get plasticine and cardboard and wire and all the stuff. And I would just go and make my own, my own action figures. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, and if I wanted to play, I'm like, I need like a set to play, you know, if it doesn't look, if I'm playing with my Star Wars toys and it's not a spaceship, this is boring, man. So I would just like kind of create the Death Star uh, or Lord of the Rings, I would create the castle. So, and yeah, I think that that's, that would be like the image of me as a kid. That's, um, that's awesome to hear more than anything else. Like knowing that you went out of your way to create your own art more than anything else. Cause you didn't have the action figure or whatnot doing the best of your surroundings. Like that's, that must have been a fun process. Like even thinking back as a kid, just making that stuff and letting your imagination go wild. Yeah. I, I remember my mom used to tell me like, you spend more time building your stuff than actually playing with them. But all right. <laughs> and I think that was true. <laughs> I think that was definitely true. I mean, I, it, you know, you could think of like, you know, the inverse of it in a way that like kids tend to beg for the toy more than actually playing with the toy and whatnot. So you're just being, you know, a little bit more hands on with that aspect of it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I love how you mentioned like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings or whatnot. Were movies like a major part of your life? Was that something that helped really like spark some inspiration, creativity in your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Star Wars definitely, I think for most most kids uh or a lot of kids there there's like the first introduction to like this huge sci-fi 
world and uh, just like the like a mythology inside like a, a film, right? So that that was definitely a big part. But the Lord of the Rings, I think it was another level. Like I was a huge Star Wars fan as a kid, but the Lord of the Rings it really got me into um, I don't know just how deep and realistic something like could be. You know, it felt like I don't know if I'm watching a fantasy movie or like actual medieval history <laughs> you know it's, it's just so it's so well crafted and then you see how J.R. Tolkien built pretty much he built a story around a language that he created or mm-hmm. languages that he created and like all right this this just makes perfect perfect sense how much how much uh, is rooted in in realism right uh quote unquote mm-hmm. um and and they had the the extended editions from the lord of the rings and um the they had two dvds with the behind the scenes so it was like like four hours or eight hours of behind the scenes on the (laughs) movies i i would have the movies always playing in the back but i think i watch more the behind the scenes yes like on loop from every single movie and seeing being that that introduction i think that was my first introduction to like all right this is how movies get made absolutely there's a script there's the idea there's a concept art there's a production post-production all of that and and it was i think that up to this day i can still say i think that was my film school <laughs> pretty much just watching just watching the eight hour long behind the scenes that's the that's a very good point honestly like i was also like one of those kids to where like you know anytime like my family might you know parents would bring home like a new movie or whatnot depending on what it is obviously i would be the first like divulging into the behind the scenes features before and special features before actually watching the movie itself. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, for sure that kind of behind it, it just gives you a whole new appreciation to it right exactly it gives you it's so fascinating like seeing like actual people like working to create this like fantastic like over-the-top story that seems like impossible to even imagine let alone make it to a reality in one way or another yeah 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 for sure and and that 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 also like i think was feeding a lot of my love to make choice you know, like uh, they had, they had a, a a part when they used to do the the miniatures, or I think they used to call them the bigatures because they were supposed to be like the miniature sets from the Lord of the Rings, but they were like, it would fill up like an entire soundstage. Right. And the attention to detail, I'm like, like man, I, I, I want to do that in my <laughs> in my room, <laughs> in my living room. Uh, yeah. I mean, I probably drove my mom crazy with like all crap all around the house <laughs> um yeah uh even for my choice i used to i wanted them to have like some sort of like actual fabric and movement because i i hated uh plastic capes okay. on batman and on like my you know so i would like chop him off i would go this is probably like maybe too much information but i would go <laughs> to my mom's drawer and like grab either shirts or sometimes like underwear that oh i like this fabric <laughs> this would be great <laughs> I just cut it off. um i mean so the fabric yeah, that some of those things have is incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it just had to be the right fabric you know the nice. right movement and all of that <laughs> so so yeah do you remember any of those toys that you would personally say like you were the most proudest of or whatnot like thinking back to your youth like the one that you you know had the most fun like constructing or just the one you played with the most oh man i i, I there was a time there that i was a big fan of the power rangers okay uh 
I had I had some of the Power Rangers, but I hated that they didn't make the villains. <laughs> uh, there were like no actual figures for the villains. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to create my own. Do you remember? What was this guy? Uh, I think he was on the first, like on the very first one, on the Mar uh, Morphin Rangers, the one with the who's red, like it, like a metal mask. The the name is the, the name, name is evading guy. me. I know who you're talking about, but the name is evading me so badly. Yeah, but it was the the witch lady, uh, Rita, I think yeah, it was, she Rita was called Repulsa. the one you know with the Rita Repulsa. Yeah, and then and then there was the other the other guy who was like it seemed like he was like muscle exposed and just <laughs> like a red like an iron mask. That that one, right? I remember it was it was a cool one. That's awesome. Uh, I I think I was part of that one. <laughs> that is that's awesome to hear more than anything else. So I have to know when did it go from this like general love and passion for art and just crafting in general to a passion and then wanting to make it your career. So we moved to the U.S. when I was thirteen. Okay. Um, and I think I was just. I think art in there, it became like a great space for me to kind of deal with, you know, like a whole, like an immigrant journey, right? Like a whole country, a new country, a new culture, um, uh, new weather. I moved to Chicago, so like from sunny, you know, beautiful Guadalajara, you go to the snow yeah. <laughs> and the cold and, you know, <laughs> minus 20 degrees. That was like a big change. Um, but I think that I knew that I was going to do something with art. I think I it, I can't tell you like there was like a moment where I'm, I want to be an artist. It was just such a big part of my life that I just didn't know what, what was going to be the career. But I knew that I was just going to make something uh, related to art. So in, so in high school, um, and I was very amazed by this because in Mexico, the art school or the art classes that you take are usually um, art history classes, okay. at least in my school. You know, like, oh man, you know, teach art history to 11 year old, and you're like, man, you're taking the fun out of the art by teaching me <laughs> about Botticelli and <laughs> romanticism. Like, I don't want to do that. I just want to draw. <laughs> um, and and in, in high school here in the US, we had, you know, you can take photography, paint, uh, painting, printmaking, uh, anything you wanted, right? So so that was, and for free. It was like, really? Yeah. You, you get all this equipment and for free? <laughs> you guys are blessed, man. And, and most of them didn't realize <laughs> how, how blessed oh, that, yeah. uh, the, oh, yeah. that art department is. <laughs> um, so I think I was taking mostly, I used to love sculpting a lot. I was, I think my main focus in high school was ceramics and sculpture okay. in general. Um, painting was there a lot as well. Um, and I did a, I took a class, a filmmaking class, and I did a couple of short films, very bad short films, but a couple of short films and a, and a stop motion uh, short about some eggs trying to escape their kitchen and you know not to not be eaten, kind of like Chicken Run, but with yeah. eggs. <laughs> um, and and I just love the whole process also of film of film. So. I kind of had a love for like a lot of different um, mediums from sculpture to painting to film. Uh, I like photography a lot for a little bit there. Um, so then there was, the, the challenge was when I had to choose a career, I graduated high school. 
by the time I think I was a senior, I think I only had to take like two or three classes, you know, like it was like, you know, the, the requirements. And after that, I could just leave if I wanted to. Right. But I, I was taking like five art classes after that. So, so, you know, pretty much my last year in high school, it was kind of like art studio time to just really, you know, just do my thing. Um, and when I had to choose a career, that was kind of a challenge because like, all right, I want to be like a sculptor, a painter. Um, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a challenge. Um, especially with how kind of, a lot of you've kind of got yourself with art and all the different aspects of it. I can imagine how hard it is to like narrow it down to like one aspect of art and go with that. Yeah. 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 And especially, you know, and I mean, I think you're 18 years old, you have to choose the career that you're going to do for the rest of your life. And you're like, I'm, you're 18. You're like an idiot. You don't, you don't know what you want <laughs> in life. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I remember I loved stop motion. Um, I think Coraline had come out during that time and mm. I was just blown away by the movie itself again, more by the, by the behind the scenes stuff. And like, I, I think if I would have seen a career that was about stop motion, I think I probably would have gone somewhere in there, uh, to create the puppets sets and all. Cause I mean, you know, that kind of aligned to, to, you get sculpting, you get painting, you get storytelling and you get, you know, flashbacks from my childhood in there. So it kind of like made sense. Um, but also I remember Avatar had just come out, uh, and you remember Avatar came out and it was like this boom of like every three effects, every, CGI, everyone you know. Everyone was going crazy with how gorgeous it was for 2009. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it still holds up. I mean, yeah. it's, still, it's still good. But, uh, but, but I remember every college that I would go, their main focus was always VFX, okay. 3D modeling, 3D animation. And... I love the result and I love how it looked uh, and even like Pixar stuff and like all of that. I, I love it. But, but um, I, I, there was something about just like clicking buttons and doing that, that I was just not for me. You know, I actually need to have like the physical interaction with, with what I'm, with what I'm making. And right. yeah. So I, ironically, I did do a couple of, um, I went to the art Institute, um, Art institutes that just I think I think they're closed or they're about to all close because they there were some like suspicious stuff going in there. I didn't hear anything uh, about that. I've just always seen the ads for like the art institutes. I haven't heard anything on that. Yeah, I I I, I don't know the whole thing, but there were like I think there was like some scamming involved and stuff like okay, that. Okay, yeah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> so um, so I was there for about two. I can't remember there were semester or quarters, but there were two terms. Um, okay. And and I was like, well, I guess I'll do VFX because I guess that's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> Again, you're 18 year old. You're an idiot, and you. Yeah, yeah, I just want to yep. study something and not <laughs> fall behind. Uh, and but what I like was like the first year they were like you can do the you, you'll do the foundations in the first year, and then you can choose what you want to specialize on. I'm like, all right, at least I would have a year with a more focus to just do that. Um, and I started taking drawing, design, um, some color theory. And I I think I was kind of disappointed with the fact that the class, the, what I was being taught, man, I've seen this in high school mm -hmm. for years. You're not teaching me absolutely anything new. And I, and I support that you need to 
study the fundamentals and really practice and all of that. But right. but the 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 levels there were like basic, were basic basic stuff. And I'm like, the only difference is that in high school I, I was free, and then over here I'm paying two thousand dollars for each class. So that's that doesn't quite add up. <laughs> um, <Not really. laughs> so and and you know between that and I was like, I, I'm not even sure what's a career that I want to study in this place. Maybe I should. So I did, um, and I went to a community college, and I'm like, I'll just try to get like an associate in art or something in the meantime while I figure things out. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was studying graphic design in there, and kind of started like you know like digging him up in there. I'm like, all right, this could be something. If I'm, you know, I think like a lot of friends that like confused artist friends, we all end up studying graphic design <laughs> because it's <laughs> you know the career that like. It'll pay the bills and it's creative. At least it's like like a good spot to right. kind of. Um, and I say this with all respect that I have for graphic design because it is it is it is. Uh, but yeah, I think that 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 was kind of what I what I went for. And I really did fall in love with graphic design for a little bit there. I'm like, all right, this this is cool. I love you know like putting in like communication, visual communication, right at the end. And that's what it is. And, uh, and yeah, that two years I started graphic design, I started getting some jobs here and there and, and yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, a, yeah, I was gonna say like with all, obviously with all the respect with graphic design, like I've talked to a good couple of graphic designers on this podcast or whatnot, there's definitely a good fundamental foundational art form that can come out of that. And there's a lot of opportunities to be really creative with that kind of stuff. And I mean, hearing the fact that obviously you fell in love with it, you know, for when you were in it, I mean, that's no slight on you know, graphic design in the first place. It's still art at the end of the day, which I mean, for you, I could tell, like, even whenever you were a little kid, you've always been an artist. You've always wanted to immerse yourself in art in one aspect for another. And like, while maybe the priority was, Hey, it pays the bills. It's, I can only imagine some of the graphic knowing what you've been able to produce in other aspects of art. I can only imagine the work that you did when you were a graphic designer must've been at least phenomenal at the end of the day. No, yeah, I, I really loved it. I always try to include illustration in all my jobs. Um, every and in every project, every everything, I would be like, we could do it just, you know, like this, or we can do an illustration for the poster or for whatever, right? And uh, and some of, some jobs were very cool about it. Some other ones like, nope, just do exactly what I said. <laughs> just put the type in there and, and go for it. And and I know amazing, talented people with typography. Mm-hmm. I love typography, but I think my skill level, when I compare to, you know, those passionate, talented, like passionate about typography, um, like they, they can tell you the history of each font and who invented it and why it, it, it's... It's like I, I respect it, but I definitely my interest and my passion don't lie that, in gotcha. there. Um, but I, I graduated college. I was I was having an internship here in Chicago, and then idea of working in movies and somehow being related to 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 that entertainment industry that was still there. Mm-hmm. So um, so I moved to Los Angeles about six months after graduating. Okay, um, I'm like I'll just. I'll see if I can, you know, if, if I don't, I, I'll go in as a graphic designer and hopefully I'll find some other stuff that I can, that I can kind of visualize what else I could be doing. Um, oh, actually, when I was still in college, I found, um, 
that there was this position called visual development artists or concept Ooh, artists. Yeah. And I remember I picked up, I picked up the art of uh, Monster Sync, you know, the art books of the movies and all that. And it was the first time that it clicked like, wait, people actually draw this stuff. <laughs> There's people <laughs> in the art department <laughs> that have to come up with the look of the, of the movies, not just like, hey, here's the character animated. Um, it's not it just like magic that it was like, like a real <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, it had never like it was the first time that I realized that that was an actual job um, oh, so also it made sense to go to Los Angeles and maybe try some of that um, I think there were the things that I was interested in again trying to how I, how I landed into puppets it's been like this like unconventional journey of like I don't know what I want to do until I found it but I know that I wouldn't have landed on puppets if I hadn't gone through every single one of those areas uh, that you can see in my work today even if it's not directly correlated to it but uh it was interested in visual development and that of course that helped with what I do today um I was I was also very interested in like special effects makeup mm -hmm. um like prosthetics and all of that. Um, so yeah, there's like the character creations, um, visual development, creating the worlds, creating the illustrations. Uh, but I knew that I, at some point, I would have loved to direct something, um, short films, music videos, whatever. And um, I knew that it was not going to be live action um, and animation. I'm like, it's beautiful, but it's, it takes a long time. I tried to, yes. one of my first personal projects was trying to get a, a stop motion short film, you know, uh, going for it. And it, and it, it, it's, it requires a lot of time. <laughs> it requires yeah. a lot of time and, and patience and money. And I'm like, all right, so what else could I be doing? So I started kind of like dabbling in there and, and, and every single one of those, I think it has added to, to my craft that I do today. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's always incredible to hear. And like, you know, again, going back to what you were saying before, just kind of how you immersed yourself in all these different art forms beforehand, kind of how that's become more or less a culmination of what you're doing and taking the risks more than anything else, like to go out there and try to be a part of that in one aspect for another. Cause I mean, you could probably attest to this An artist's career is never easy. It is never easy no matter how you look at it 20 different ways, but I mean, you have the, the persistence and the drive to keep going for it. So I'm sure you, you've been able to find some success in one aspect for another and i know that eventually led to you to what you're probably most prominently known for these days which is the the being a puppet artist now i have to know what intrigued you about that field in the first place and why did you decide to immerse yourself in that field into puppetry so up to this point it wasn't it was right before the the pandemic i had on um, I had been working as a graphic designer. I mean, this whole journey took almost 10 years. Yeah, pretty wow. much. Um, and it's and it's very easy to say it like from this end, like, yeah, everything worked out at the end. But during the process, it, it like, you know, there was like this, this uh, just frustration of like, why am I, why haven't I found the thing? You know, I have the elements, I have the thing, but I just can't solve this stupid puzzle. And, and it was, there were a lot of times of frustration, even like a lot of uh, like shame of other friends and other artists that they knew and they had the style and they had the technique and they had all, 
you know, they were, I'm a storyboard artist. I, all I do is storyboards and they make storyboard artists or, um, yeah, I, like that shame of like, I haven't found quite that thing. Um, but as a graphic designer, illustrator, I was doing pretty well during those, during those years. I mean, I had, I had been working in entertainment. I was had worked in Disney, HBO, um, Netflix, oh, wow. um, uh, up up until recently, I had worked. I worked at Blizzard um, okay. for about two years, um, jumping from World of Warcraft, Diablo, um, uh, Hearthstone, Overwatch, all of that. So, so you know, I was okay. finding success in graphic design, and they were generally like cool projects that I was actually passionate about. Um, so I remember during the pandemic, it it was like, all right, dude, stop, stop trying to like find career in doing this type of art why mm-hmm. I, I just wanted it also the world stop yep. was this kind of thing of like does does art even matter right now <laughs> like with so much terrible things going on in the world and i'm here trying to you know draw my way out of this existential crisis <laughs> like right. uh, and i think for the first time i kind of took an approach at least for the first time in in since I started my career, since I was trying to decide my career, um, I think I gave myself the chance to just be a kid again and create just what I wanted without a purpose of like, this is going to be on my portfolio. This is going to be a, pro- a project to do whatever. No, it was just like, I just want to make art for myself to experiment. Um, and ironically, that was the thing that that kind of led me to having a career in, in as a as a puppet artist. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like those funny things, you know. Kind of like sometimes when you let go of the thing, that's how you find the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and yeah, it, it it really happened like that. It was I was at at this point I was working remotely. Um, it was March or April of 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 twenty twenty, so mm-hmm. like the peak of 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 COVID, and I was pretty much working and freelancing. So I was working nonstop from morning till night. And I still wanted to create my own art. And I just didn't want to have to deal with any screens at this point. <laughs> I'm like, I'm tired of looking at the screen all day. I want to do something else. So I started, um, I started just drawing one day. I'm like, what if I cut this thing and, you know, photograph it? Uh, and that made sense, you know, that was like, okay, that's, that's, that could be cool. What if I put something behind it and some lights and try to put like, you know, like some little, like, like a little paper theater and, um, and that, that kind of started evolving to that. And that was just like, as an as working in the illustrations. And then one day I was just recording some behind the scenes stuff and like the process. I grabbed the puppet and I literally just like started going like this. I'm like. <laughs> Wait, I'm just like being silly right now, but I think there's something. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool. You can like move something in there, and then that's how I started doing uh, the actual puppetry uh, for you know animation and all of that. Right, right. And I mean, like even just starting off in that first little bit right there, thinking just taking like the the pieces of paper and adding like foreground and background to it and adding like layers to it or whatnot. That's a like interesting first step in the first place like just having that kind of like lived in experience as you can with a photo with that stuff or whatnot like that shows your creativity more than anything else because i 
don't know how I would have came to that conclusion in the first place. What inspired you to even like just start with that in the first place? Just starting with like making little paper illustrations or whatnot. Like, was there like a particular thing that kind of grabbed your attention and you were just like, I want to try that. Or is there like other influences on why you decided to go down that path? I think one of the things from like my thousand interest in art, <laughs> uh, theater, theater design and like set design and all okay. that. I'm a big fan of of like stage uh productions actually last night we went to see the lion king um here in chicago it, it never fails to blow my mind on just how beautiful the puppets <laughs> the sets the lighting all of that so but it, but it was one of those things that i have that i love but i that i knew that i would probably not go that path um i have a lot of interest for i think it was that and the stop motion um unsatisfied love that I had that I like, and I've never had the chance to like go into a stop motion production. I think the way that I work right now is very stop motion, like right. without the stop motion, <laughs> without the animation, the, pain, the painstakingly uh, difficult process of animating frame by frame. Mm -hmm. um, it's, but in general, it's very similar in the, in the way that I create the sets. I, I mean, you, you know, you see those behind the scenes pictures of like the animator going in and like in this huge set of yeah. like line or the nightmare before Christmas. I'm like, oh man, I want to be there. <laughs> so, so in a way I was able to create that for myself, uh, but just as an illustration process. Um, right now I've been starting to experiment with some, like adding some more materials into the, uh, the bodies of the puppets. Okay. So I'm making all the clothing from actual fabric and all that and for the different faces they're replaceable so they will have different expressions different perspectives it could be a side profile it could be a front three quarters angry happy mad whatever uh that's interchangeable so that's again very stop motion um approach to that to that sense i mean it's easy to see obviously the influence of stop motion in the puppetry you are making i i do want to know what was it about paper that led to that being the material that you first experiment with was it just like the convenience of it or was there like just you know what made that kind of the the in this case the clay for your sculpture that would become pottery or uh, uh puppetry puppets yeah uh i think definitely there was the convenience aspect to it mm -hmm. at first um and second i think paper is like such there's nothing more simple than a piece of paper right uh there's nothing more basic than a piece of paper uh and there was something about it that i that i liked you know there was i i think in my illustration career before the puppets or my illustration approach it was i wanted to balance between graphic and atmosphere and lighting and you know kind of look of that that's that i can't say it's a realism but it's like this very stylized sets and at yeah i guess atmosphere and with with the paper i think you i think i was able to to kind of it was the right um, balance between between those two making it graphic and there's nothing more flat or graphic than a paper mm -hmm. uh but with the entire things having depth and light and all of that and and that I think that's the reason why it just made sense. even like intuitively I think it made sense because I don't think I ever stopped to question like wait do I want to make puppets with paper or do I want to make puppets with 
you know, with clay or like actual like foam puppets or whatever it is. I just the paper aspect. I think that was just that was just in there. I mean, it's, um, it's a good aesthetic in the first place, just having that paper. I mean, especially with what you've been able to do with it and create more or less like an immersive environment for just every single illustration, every single like piece you've been able to do. It's impressive more than anything else. I, I have to know whether it is just an illustration or whether it is like a puppeteering. What is the process like for you to go from like general concept, whether it be your own or what a, a customer could be wanting or whatnot, like, how does it go from concept to final product, absolutely gorgeous, stunning masterpiece at the end of the day? So it's it's usually the same process for my own than when I work with a client. Mm -hmm. uh, so I start mythology and folklore. It's always a big inspiration uh, for my work. So I I read a lot of mythology and tales, and then from some of them, I'll be like, "All right, I wanna, I wanna make something when they illustrate a specific scene." Um, it all starts with a sketch, the idea, the sketch, trying to come up like an interesting um, composition. And after I kind of land on on an idea, I start cutting up the puppets. Um, I, I I work with different sets. I work in a small as small as like a shoebox. Yeah. It was literally a shoebox that I just cut the back and that would be like the backdrop of the of the set. So the puppets were pretty small. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also worked in, I got this wooden Ikea shelf that had like, you know, like racks on the bottom. So I could just like go in and put, but it was like a pretty big set. So I think that's, that's the biggest one. That's smart. <laughs> that I, and it's, it's your size. So you don't have to be like, you know, like <laughs> crutching or like, Kneeling down right now, I'm working on a on um, it's called a multiplane camera, which is okay. what Lotte Reiniger, who was um, I believe she was German, uh, she was one of the first animator directors, animation okay. directors. She has, uh, I think she adapted um, what's it called, Arabian Nights, um, yeah, uh, without like a, yeah, like a thousand nights or whatnot in Arabia, something like that, a thousand nights, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the, the Adventures of Prince something. I'm going to butcher the name. So, but, but you can look it up. It's really cool. It's all shadow puppetry, but and not stop motion animation. Mm -hmm. And then Walt Disney started to use that technique as well in White, Pinocchio, Bambi. Um, and it's basically glass panels, the cameras on the top. Uh, and each glass panel has like a different layer of set the oh, environment okay and 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 he was able to either push them close enough separate them or slide them in uh, so that's how they were shooting uh all those kind of like the golden age uh of of the disney films okay um so that's kind of how i've been approaching it right now um i'm working right now on a short film based on the myth the greek myth of icarus right um icarus and daedalus it's been taking a little longer than <laughs> than I expected, but I I'm learning to be patient and not rush not rush those things. Um, Valid. But I've been I've been I I you know I kind of had invented you know sort of the way of like how can I make this with the tools that I have available. Um, I got a shelf from IKEA mm -hmm. uh, with glass panels, so that's kind of like my multi-brain camera uh, from an IKEA shelf, which costs like forty bucks. So that was, <laughs> that was like very inexpensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
the only thing is that because it's lower, I have to be, you know, kind of like looking down. And mm -hmm. by the end of the day, my back is, I'm 30 years old now. So my back <laughs> is not, <laughs> it can't handle that pressure. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, just always try to find ways of, of experimenting. There's all of them have, uh, you know, pros and cons, right? Yeah. Um, working with the other shop where I was like, everything was standing up. It was great because there was a scene in my short film that I wanted to have some water. So I cut up from paper, I made some waves mm -hmm. um, and I hang them with strings, which would be able to like push them and they would swing back oh. and forth. I would take that and then just like kind of like animate whatever this thing was going on. And it was like a lot of like movement in there. Um, the problem was for other things, if I wanted to put some trees or stuff like that, uh, in things stand and not fall was like 70% of the job <laughs> because the, you know, like the, the minimal, uh, push or something and everything would fall out. I'm like, oh, all right, let me try, you know, yeah. to put everything back together again. So the multi-plane is great because gravity, um, is not, is not an issue because I can just literally just put them on the panel and I don't have to worry about how they're going to stand up or anything. Um, working with reflections, I think that's the main challenge with that, you know, making, making sure that, you know, a lot of times I'm like, I love how this scene turned out, but then you can see the lens, of the camera reflected on the glass. I'm like, never mind. I'll have to go back and find like a way for that to not be an issue. I mean, absolutely. I mean, goodness, just hearing kind of more or less the, the process for you. That That's exactly what I was more or less like. I, I don't want to say this what I was anticipating because I know it can't just be easy because you can correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of the stuff, it, it's all just you doing it. Like you alone are the one that's like making these environments. You're, you're setting everything up. You're trying to make everything work in flow or whatnot. Like it's got to be interesting more or less like not only going forth with this path, but kind of being the only person, at least for the time being, like making this stuff a reality. Like do you appreciate that kind of challenge? Is that something you've kind of more or less accepted? Yeah, yeah, I don't know for sure. I think, think, and on my, on on the the problem with me deciding on a career specifically was like I wanted to do everything, but especially in the animation industry, you can't do everything. You kind of have to select one one specific uh, position. So you want to do storyboard, you have to be a storyboard artist. So you want to be a character designer, you have to be a character designer. Um, it's very it's very machinery-like in that way, right? Everybody is crucial and everybody has to do their job mm -hmm. uh, well. And, and on this process, I've been able to, yeah, I think I'm able to be the writer, to do the storyboard, to design the characters, to shoot, to edit. So um, yeah, I think that, that gives me a lot of satisfaction for sure. Um, and, and and I think that's the creative satisfaction of I want to have my hands on in everything, I think, because every piece really is, is a challenge, you know, like if it starts to get easy, I'm like, all right, I already know how exactly how to approach this. Mm -hmm. mm, I start, you know, I always set myself up to like, how can I make a different approach? How can I make this challenging? Right. And, and, and I think that's what keeps me interested in it. Um, if, if if I become very robotic, like you're like, all right, I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I think that starts to just get boring, and it shows in the piece. I see there's a couple of pieces there that 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 I've done that I'm 
I'm personally not very happy with. Other people are like, it looks great. I don't know why you're trashing your art so much. But for me, it's like, it's, I don't know if it's the piece necessarily, but making it, it was just so predictable. Right. And it just made it boring, you know? And it's kind of like when you play video games. It has to be on that sweet spot. That it's not too difficult. It's not too easy, but it's that that sweet spot. Right. It's Challenging like enough. Yeah, it's it's figuring out what your boundaries are, what you are capable of, and seeing how much further you can push it. See what you're capable of. See what you can do to kind of introduce that a new element to it to make it a little bit more intriguing, especially for you. Um, and I especially imagine mm-hmm. that like for you, a part of that is not just like how you're going forth with you know the process or whatnot, but the stories you're trying to tell with that process. I noticed that a lot of your stuff is based in some sort of mythology of of just about every single kind. Last I checked, what is it about mythology that like creatively like drives you especially towards like the 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 illustration puppetry route i think at first it's just like these fantastical stories you know like Mm -hmm. i mean the fact that there's ancient that they're the first stories that we told as humans uh you have from mesopotamia you have ancient egypt ancient greece um uh there's something fascinating of like how telling stories is not something that we do make money mm-hmm. maybe in a lot of movie studios their main focus is hey, how much it's going to do on the opening weekend and all of that and it and it transcends that right it transcends capitalism <laughs> and there's something so fundamental for us as humans to tell stories and i think just just that it's enough for me to like i want to know what these stories were you know what were people you know, what was the point? You know, it, it, there's no real value, at least physical value that a story uh, provides to humans, right? It's not like food, shelter, water, whatever, uh, but it, it, it feeds something in us, right? It feeds the spirit uh, in all of, of us as cultures, as humans. And I think that's, I think that's very beautiful. Um, and then you have cosmic dragons and they <laughs> cut them up and that's how the universe was made i'm like all right come on <laughs> who who could not love <laughs> this this stuff um so yeah. yeah yeah i think that's i think greek mythology i think it was as most people i think that's like the initial um the introduction to to myth um since high school i i, I loved it when i was studying digital illustration and practicing um, I think my first paintings were um, of Greek mythology, of Persephone. I remember Hades and Persephone was one of the first digital paintings that I made. Okay. Um, and they were, and you know, like the myths were always there. Um, even the stuff that I like, I think even the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and all of that, that's just mythological structure right there, you know, and the mythological really world building. Um, so, yeah. And I think during the pandemic, it was when I, Greek mythology really just became like a safe haven and you know the world falling apart <laughs> you know like all right i can just go in the stories and everything will be okay you know i think and i think at the end that's kind of like all the stories you know you know kind of say that you know like hey terrible things happen and terrible things have happened throughout history we're okay you know yeah. we're gonna be okay and i think you know that i think specific especially during that year it was a great message to kind of hold on uh, to balance out every single day reading 
terrible news. You know, there was yeah. a terrible thing happening every <laughs> every single day. It was like a bombard of of bad news. So so yeah. It just seemed like after a while, especially in that year, it's just like Jesus Christ. Where where in the myth does it say this? All right, I don't remember any myth saying specifically these certain <laughs> things that were going down. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say like like especially you know. Like I can tell, it's still a major influence. I mean, we're talking right now, and you're wearing a uh, 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 what's her name, uh, a Medusa shirt right now. Like, oh I, yeah, I'm Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can tell, it's still a major. I, influence. I saw this one. And I, this was not planned, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, it, was not it, it totally wasn't planned. I did put on this shirt just for this occasion. No, no. <laughs> but I, obviously, like I can tell, it's still a major influence. Like you said yourself, one of the things you're currently working on is a uh, an Icarus uh, puppetry more than anything else. Which I mean, I've seen little bits of here and there and what little bits are presented out there and whatnot. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous what you're able to do more than anything else. Like have that good, like visual storytelling, like right there of a, a very well-known story of obviously the boy that flew too high to too close to the sun more than anything else. Like I, I, from what I've been able to see of it, I'm certainly excited to know what you're going to be working on next when it comes to that more than anything else. Cause I can imagine like what? What inspired you to want to tell that story, especially through puppetry? Um, I mean, it's been on my. And I think I hope that this year I'm going to be able to to tackle this this a little bit more. But I I really wanted to find a way to tell these stories through puppetry mm-hmm. um, and kind of create like like an actual thing of like this is like myths, folklore, puppets. Um, in a in a very accessible way. Uh, um, the the thing with this approach that I took specifically for this myth, um, I illustrated everything digitally, printed it out, cut up everything, and then make the puppet. So I'm able to have a little bit, not a little bit, like a lot more uh, realistic stuff, I guess, that you can achieve digitally than. Uh, and traditionally, like some stuff from from my uh, short film called Folklore, right. I was all in, and I wanted to have a very paper handmade um, kind of look. For this one, I think the main challenge has been um, I have I'm trying to remember that it is puppetry, it is paper puppetry, and I love the fact that you see the strings on the yes. puppets. Maybe not the little strings, but I think we we've been we've been taught so much or not taught, but we celebrated the things like we were mentioning, like avatar, like, Oh my God, look how realistic that looks. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a movie comes out like toy story. that I remember there were like articles are like, Oh my God, you can see like the fabric on, <laughs> on Woody's shirt and, right. and this, and, and, and it is very impressive, right? Uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the time and effort that, that it takes to get to that level. Uh, it's, it's, it's very inspiring, but, I going back to how much I love seeing the behind the scenes stuff. I was like the imperfections that revealed how mm-hmm. that thing was made. That that for me is is the most amazing part of it. So I'm finding myself now trying to balance this part of my brain that's been trying to hide the strings and to make it perfect and to make it, you know, the most realistic um, version of it. To like no, it's it, there's something so 
so simple of literally grabbing a puppet and like going like this on a camera. <laughs> yes. Uh, literally just that. You know, there's like like a lot of times we don't need more than that. Anything else, it might be just uh, it's distractions. <laughs> you it's, know, it's, distractions it's, of it's like a fun little charm that, of seeing that kind of like handcrafted you know aspect of it more than anything else that I love, especially with your stuff. Just the the charm that it has whenever you see just how like simple but yet how immersed it is. Yeah, 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 and I think I think for 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 this film, I kind of went on the other side of like I I'm trying to hide strings a little bit in this piece, and I'm finding myself at this point of like, all right, hold on, I love I like this new approach because it again it challenges me, and it's been like a whole new challenge to get it done, mm-hmm. but um, just not forgetting that they're puppets, and it's gonna look like a puppet, and it doesn't need to look like anything else. I right. I don't want it to look anything else you know but kind of you know remembering to 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 stay in there you know to to honor the inanimate object that you're just giving a little bit push of life in there but um but your question was why this myth um uh, sorry i i hey, this, <laughs> deviated from that this is a podcast i encourage <laughs> rambling i encourage the deviations i was along all for right. the ride. <laughs> <laughs> all right great. I, I i tend to do that a lot so i think it might be my adhd um but oh you know what i enjoy uh, it i've been enjoying every single second so far so you're good (laughs) all right great (laughs) but uh, i remember um i mean i think think greek mythology and probably one of the images that will come up in there is is icarus right and and it's one of the most well-known uh myths in there and i i reread the myth and i was very interested by the fact that it is called Icarus, or is it is, it is Icarus is the most well-known figure in that myth, but the story really is about his father, Daedalus, yeah. who is the inventor. Um, and and I think, I mean, he Daedalus does pretty horrible things um, because he's talented, but he's a very proud man, so he actually commits murder <laughs> to, you know, stay in that position of popularity. But I wanted to approach it in a way that that I think I saw myself in Daedalus in the fact of, of as an artist, of just trying to make it as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to explore a little bit of that, what it, what it is like sometimes to, to go so much into your craft and trying to make something of yourself as an artist and in the way sometimes missing or losing the important stuff at the end because of trying to chase that that dream. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, for, for me, I moved from Chicago. I left my family and went to Los Angeles. Um, that was hard, you know, but I wanted to do it because of my career and my art and all of that. Right. And my, my niece, she, like my little sister, basically, and she's 15 years old right now. I left when she was five. Oh. So, you know, I kind of like miss a bunch of chunks from church from her childhood and and you know looking back it's not something that i say like oh i should have never left um i'm very happy of the things that i was able to do there were some other things i'm like we're gonna get you know that that certain moments back you know and uh and 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 you know i guess there were many years that i was very frustrated with my career it was not where it where I wanted it to be. Right. 
But I look back right now and I look at it objectively. I'm like, I was having a great time. You know, I, I, I was, I was having a good time. I had good friends. I was, you know, like in this new city and all of that. Yeah. And I, and I guess not that I didn't appreciate it, but I was, it was very clouded by this idea of my career is not what I wanted it to be. I, uh, there's, there's something more to, to accomplish. And I think it's about finding that balance, you know, of, of, of pursuing what you love, but not missing out on what's already there. And, and I think that's kind of the approach that I wanted to take on the myth. Uh, Icarus is the one that flies too close to the sun and he dies. But at the end of the day, I think Daedalus is the one that's been flying too close to the sun for his entire life. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like the take that I wanted to get into. I don't know if it's modernizing it in a bit, but just make it making it more relevant to at least to my own experience, right? right. Like, like obviously, like yeah, make it more of a, I guess, personal for you, and like obviously telling the story that you feel like needs to be told more than anything else. Like considering your experience, what you've been through, and obviously reading the story and realizing that you know, at least in your opinion, it's been more or less inter- misinterpreted for you know most of the lifetime because people obviously think of Icarus being the one flying too close to the sun. Like it's obviously his fault. Why he, he knew he shouldn't have been up there, but at the same time, like you were saying, you know, that perspective of the dad, you know, kind of being proud and just doing what he can or doing what he does. Like I, I get that. I understand where you're coming from and I'm intrigued. Like I said before, like seeing how you're going to be interpreting that into your, your, your puppetry and into the, the paper more than anything else. Cause I can only imagine, especially with, again, the little taste you have before more than anything else, like knowing the thought process, the love and the care that's going into this story or whatnot. I can only imagine how gorgeous of a story that's going to be told. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I'm hope, hopefully it'll come out in the next couple of months. Um, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I mean, hey, um, if, if nothing else, we I think we everyone here can agree. Take your time. You're doing a good job <laughs> as it is. I, I mean, you, we kind of touched on it with some of your other pieces, but I did want to talk about the uh, folklore a little bit because I saw the the little bits I could of that piece or whatnot. You want to talk about stunning. You want to talk about gorgeous. The environment that you created with folklore alone, like you had me at the edge of my seat with that kind of stuff. Seeing like the the little intricacies that you add, the little details to to make like to add the environment or whatnot. Like, what inspired you to make that piece, if I may ask? So I took a little trip to a town in California called Solvang. Okay. Um, which is like a little Danish town. Um, it's about two hours from, from LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally like, you know, like the tiny houses, like very European Greece everywhere, Danish pastries. It's a very quaint, uh, uh, little town. And, and they had a bookstore, uh, which is dedicated to Hans Christian Andersen, who is the author of the little mermaid and, and a bunch of other fairy tales. He was Danish. So it was kind of like, um, a tribute to him. Okay. And I came across a book on Scandinavian folk tales. And I've been wanting to kind of take a break from myths and explore a little bit more on folklore and on folk tales. And um, I didn't want to go the usual Brothers Grimm tales. And I think their tales are great, but <laughs> we've heard them a lot of times, right? right? I mean, how many, how many <laughs> little red riding hoods have we already heard and, uh, and in snow white and all of that. Right. So, 
So I found the Scandinavian Scandinavian tales had all the elements of a traditional fairy tale, very European in that sense, very in you know the forest and witches and trolls and uh, the devil and and all of that. But it it was such a like a fresh take. I mean, I think fresh take, like if they're new, they're like <laughs> hundreds of years old. But I, it's I just thing haven't... That it's kind of like what you were talking about before when it came to like, you know, you knew what the boundaries are. Like you've seen these stories a million times over, you know, kind of how they're told. Like you see the boundaries or whatnot in the Scandinavian tales, at least in your eyes, kind of push that boundary a little bit and how they kind of told it, how they, mm-hmm. how the, the stories resolved more than anything else. I can imagine how that piqued your interest more than anything else. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, how they say there's like, there's nothing new, uh, we can't do anything new. We just were able to add something to that old thing and make it new and make it fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think Scandinavian folk tales, it, it, I think it did that for me. Like, all right, I've, I've, I've seen, I've been in this world before, but you're telling me a different way, you know. Uh, so, so I started reading the book. I, I, I haven't done a short film before at this point. I had okay. just for only played some things here and there but never like kind of like and it's nothing longer than like an instagram reel or anything like that um so i got the book i came back and i gotta say i think it's been one of the healthiest creative processes i've had in my life that's awesome (laughs) uh it was you know it was just like being very like kind of like hypnotized like intoxicated by these tales and just getting to my studio building the sets, building the puppets. And at not one single point was I like, you know, sometimes you're working and the critic comes on and you start like, oh, this is, this is crap. This doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. Um, that, that, or like, even like, I have no idea what I'm doing this. Like, this is stupid. I should <laughs> never try it in the first place. Uh, it never happened, you know? It was just like me going in the studio, building the stuff, trying to figure it out. Um, and you know it requires a lot of tries to you know get it right but i was not i was not frustrated at any point of this of 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 that short film you know and i because it was my first uh little short film i didn't i was debating whether doing a full story or more of like a collection of moments kind of like um which is what the, the the short film is it has a song and it has different clips of the of the different tales. So there's not like a single narrative because I just wanted to really just get into that world and kind of see how that how that world felt. Um, even to like even to pique um, that interest in people, you know, like hey, maybe you watch the short film and you're like, hey, I wanna I wanna know about Scandinavian folk tales. <laughs> uh, let me go pick up a book or let me read something and. Uh, and yeah, I think that that that's that was what inspired it. I mean, that's awesome to hear, and especially seeing what you were able to produce for it. What little bits I have been able to see of it, more than anything else, like goodness, that is just like stunning what you've been able to do with that those tales or whatnot. And I mean, it's cool hearing that you're like going all in and making these cool like personal projects more than anything else with the stuff that you love. Because I know that the personal projects more than anything else has led to some incredible opportunities. And I just want to talk about just right off the bat the biggest opportunity that at least in my eyes you've had or whatnot. And that's being able to animate a little short music video for Nick Jr. more than anything else with Puff the Magic Dragon. How did that opportunity come to you in the first place? I have to know. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's been like I still have a hard time like, <laughs> like realizing that. Wait, you're talking about me? Did yeah. I do that? <laughs> uh, I, I, it's funny because most of the jobs that I've done, I've done a couple of book covers for HarperCollins and Macmillan. Right. Um, all all that stuff. I I sent, I reach out to art directors. I send out my work. Uh, none of them have come through with anything. A lot of times either I don't get an answer back, which is the usual and you know, art directors are pretty busy people. Yeah. Uh, but they told me I have your contact. It's just like, you know, I'm waiting if something comes through, I'll contact you, right? But I remember there was this actually the trip that I took to Solvang I had been trying and I received like thirty no's in one week. Oh wow. And I I went to the trip. I'm like, I don't want to be in the illustrator anymore. This is too hard. I just <laughs> give up. Oh no. Uh, and then the next day, I wake up with an email from an art director from Harper Collins saying, like, Hey, I found your work. I have a Greek mythology cover. If you're interested in it, we would love to have you on board. I'm like, All right. So the 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 secret is to give up. <laughs> to give up on life, <laughs> and it will come to you. <laughs> You hear that, artist uh, all world? Just, just quit. Just stop what you're doing, and everything will come to you quit. when you least expect it. <laughs> and uh, and I remember um, I'm part of an animation organization here in Los Angeles, and they send sometimes, you know, some job postings and whatnot. And they sent over a job like, hey, there's this uh, production studio that is looking for freelance animators. Okay. Um, you want to reach out? Here's your email. Um. So I send them over my short film, Folklore. Um, it, I think I send them over like maybe like a month. Yeah, really like a month after I had finished the short film. And, um, and I'm like, hey, so it's not technically, it's not the, maybe the animation that you're looking for. It's not 2D, it's not 3D, stop motion, puppetry. But, um, you know, if you're interested, I would love to learn more about the project and, and, and all of that. I didn't hear back from them probably for like, two months, um, even longer, um, you know, I'm like, I'm used to that. So I was like, this is, you know, one of the many emails that you sent that, that the job doesn't happen. Right. Um, and then they reach back like, Hey, we're so sorry. We're just getting back to you. It's, you've been trying to, you know, like figure everything out in production and all that, but we love your stuff. We would love to, to, um, to have you create one, one, um, music video um to give you some insight it's for nick jr or we're revamping kind of like this character face which was from uh blues clues back in the 90s i yep. uh, are giving him like like a re you know a design of the, the character uh we're giving him his own show it's gonna be like sing-alongs and of course i'm reading that and i'm like get out of here <laughs> it's nick <laughs> jr's it really is for nickelodeon <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think immediately the imposter syndrome comes in yeah. and I was like, are you sure they're like stupid puppets? Like, are you sure it's like worthy of like Nickelodeon and Nick Jr. Uh, and, and it was honestly, I think it's been up to this day, my favorite project that I've ever worked on. Okay. Um, it was, they gave me creative freedom. Um, it was actual creative freedom because a lot of times, you know, the client like you have total creative freedom, but then you don't. And they're like, nope, not that. Nope, creative freedom, but don't do this, <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> um, 
it's in this uh in in this job now it was like absolute creative freedom come up with the characters come up with like kind of like the, i mean the story of course is based on puff the magic dragon um right so I'll grab inspiration from that song um I think the only feedback that I had on the first initial sketches, there were some of them that were kind of creepy. Um, there were like some forest giants and stuff, and they're like, "We love everything, but the giants have to go because it's remember it's it's a it's a show for like little kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a pre-K show." So I'm like, "All right," um, and I send out the animatic. It was approved. I I think we shot that in about in a weekend actually. Oh wow! Um, so I spent a couple. Spent a couple of weeks creating all the puppets, creating the sets, making like a breakdown of kind of like the production and all of that. I think I had about three months mm -hmm. to the whole thing, three or two months, I can't remember. So I kind of broke down like, okay, by this time I want to have the, the animatic approved. By this time I need to have the, set, the sets and the puppets done. Um, and I called a couple of friends to help me out. Um, because from folklore, one of the main challenges was Having the camera animating, kind of looking yeah, at the camera to yeah. see if, like everything is in focus. <laughs> I went back probably like twenty times just trying to I'm like, nope, this was not. This is not what I wanted to look. This was not. In, it was a great shot, but it was not in focus. Right. Um. So so I called a, a good friend of mine who was um we were roommates back uh, in in the past, and he's a director. I'm like, hey, could you? He's a director, and he's a he knows all about cameras and all of that. So. So he brought the camera. I had some friends telling like, I just need you literally to just hold the puppet. Yeah. Just, you know, that's it. <laughs> just so it doesn't fall over. That, that's your job. Um, so yeah, we, we came into my studio. We did about, yeah, it was a weekend. It was a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, we shot through there. I edited the whole thing. Um, and I had a friend help me out with some VFX. Um, so adding some of the blinks the eyes, some particles, some light flares, uh, yeah, all of that. And, and yeah, it was, it was a very smooth, a very smooth process. I mean, if I do say like it was a smooth process to what ended up being a smooth music video more than anything else, like it was stunning the environment <laughs> you created for Puff the Dragon more than anything else. I, I just, I love it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I love the charm that you have with these puppets and the puppetry that you've been pushing forward or whatnot. Like, seeing pieces like that, seeing the illustrations that you've done, I personally am a huge fan of the ones you did for uh, Over the Garden Wall and The Mandalorian, like, the, the little illustrations you did for that. Like, it's it's stunning. It amazes me more than anything else. Seeing, like, the stunning finished product that you have and only imagining the amount of time and effort that goes into something like that. Certain fact that, you know, this starts off as just, like, random just, just sheets of paper that you, you, you know, anyone can pick up. And, like, thinking of the time and dedication you have to put that, like, does it amaze you more or less, like, what you're able to accomplish with this field that you've immersed yourself in? I think, yeah, I think there's definitely something about taking, and I think that's the art process in general, right? Like, taking something that's not there, you know, like a blank canvas or a piece of clay and making something out of it, I think... Yeah, I think there's there's like a rewarding sense. Not I think the, the the reward that you get of seeing the work out there or seeing to recognize that's that's a part of it, right? But then there's the reward of the actual making. Mm -hmm. Um and not even in a sense that oh I made this or like 
oh, this transformed this piece of paper transformed into this. That's that's just like that's like very magical, I think, seeing that and and then seeing it together with I think specifically with the puppets and the puppet short films taking a puppet taking paper, making a beautiful puppet, and then seeing it all together in a stage with props with lighting, then at music and then at VFX and it's like all right this is is like I cannot imagine anything for me more just satisfying. Than, than seeing that process and, and, and being involved in every single step of that of that process. Absolutely. And of course obviously seeing the final product and seeing what you're able to push out there more than anything else. Like I can only imagine the amount of pride when everything is said and done that you have in your piece, whether you nitpick it or not, the amount of pride at the end of the day you have to have for that. And seeing especially other people like more or less getting on board with that stuff and absolutely loving and adoring the stuff you're pushing out there. Are you amazed with more or less like the, the community you've been able to build or at least like the the the, the audience you've been able to build with, you know, these pieces that you've been able to push out? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think um, just seeing people react so positively to to the puppets, it, it really gives it, it's like that cherry on top, you yeah. know, like not only the process is super rewarding, but when receiving the love of people, like, hey, this is, wow, this is amazing. It's, um, is very it, it's definitely very satisfying um uh, that that it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword you know because i remember before the puppets or even during my first first couple of years when i was trying to you know putting out this stuff out there and all that um there's that trick of social media right of like kind of like oh. wanting that validation <laughs> but you know i would post some stuff online that i love mm -hmm. and you know not having the engagement it it's been something that I've had to kind of retrain myself. And even at this point, I still, you know, some days are better than the others, yeah. but, uh, but sometimes it's, it's having, it's knowing the difference of this is not a matter of quality of the work. This is not a matter of me personally as an artist. Um, it might be a matter of stupid algorithm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but sometimes that, but sometimes you don't do it's, it's, you know, the brain takes, you know, plays tricks on you and it's like, nope, that's why people are not liking it or not, you know, sharing it and whatnot. Um, but I think when I, when I found the puppets, I was able to kind of say, okay, right now I'm going to have, I have 1000 followers or 2000 followers or 3000 followers. I don't. I don't know if it's part of growing up, <laughs> but I don't, I, I've learned, I think in the past two years of not looking for social media for validation right. on my work. Right. Uh, and it's way easier said that done than done. Right. But, uh, I think it's, it's been, it's been about forming also connections with people. Um, you know, the, the, people that I studied with other artists kind of sharing had that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, I think that that's been, that's been a lot. And also, I mean, the fact that it's like, all right, I, if I post something and it gets 10 likes, I don't care because I did a music video for Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> I'd much rather, I much rather get paid for work than get, than to get likes on Instagram because I'm going to pay my bills then. Uh, so, 
so yeah, I mean, I, I think right now I, I um, had this reel that kind of blew up uh, a little bit there. So I've been getting a lot of love on Instagram lately for the pieces and it's, and it's funny because for the longest time, I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had, you know, like a bigger audience and all of that. And I see that it's growing and it's, and I'm, and I'm feel very fortunate to have, you know, to receive, you know, the, the, the appreciation of, of, of a lot of people out there. Um, but I think I was, and I don't know if this happened because, or it had to align or whatever, but I think I was able to find that appreciation for my own stuff before other people would appreciate it, you know, in that kind of sense. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think at some point I was very desperately trying to like, please like my art. I just posted <laughs> something, please, like, and and it became this place of like, I like my art. I post it online. If it if it reaches people, and great. But if not, uh, I was able to kind of work on that self confidence as an artist to say like, hey, I I'm proud of the stuff that I do, regardless of the number of likes, comments, shares, whatever that is. Um, yeah that's awesome to to hear more than anything else like having that kind of mentality developing especially as you go along this art path and this art journey more than anything else considering the years that is going on behind it the fact that you know you've picked up stuff like that like thinking back of your entire art journey as well like ever since you were a kid or whatnot does it amaze you more or less how far you've been able to come i yeah i mean i think i i am Sometimes it's it's it doesn't feel real. I guess stuff like the Nickelodeon stuff is yeah. like, oh wait, this is <laughs> this is not this, something's gonna happen, and the show's gonna get canceled probably. So this is not gonna <laughs> like end up happening, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think I'm at a point in my career in my life where I'm finally able to do that jump of, hey, I'm I'm an artist. And I'm able to make a living out of my art. And I think I found myself trying to, you know, kind of have to like update uh, how I see myself and stop seeing myself as a struggling artist and kind of embody this place where I'm, where I am right now. Like, this is how I make a living. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I think it's, 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 uh, it's been 10 years of, of having that struggling starving artist mentality and like nobody shares my stuff nobody sees this well valuing myself not self-worth but my art worth with with you know how much uh, social interaction it had how much um type of projects that was coming in and i think right now it's 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 been very it's been very obvious the fact that i'm trying to make update on how i see myself um just being very i'm i'm super grateful right now at this point in 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 my career i mean i think it's um it's been like i said a 10-year journey and sometimes you know the thought appears here and there like imagine if you would have found the puppets when you were 18 where would you be right now right, uh, right. but right there i'm like wait i wouldn't have arrived to this point if i hadn't made all steps in order to get here you know yeah. um and i think it's i think that's been one of the 
of the things that has been the most challenging has been having patience, you know, having patience of, of you're going to take a bunch of detours that it seems that you're lost, but you're not lost. You're just picking up the tools in order to get, uh, to where you are. And, 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 um, there's a podcast, uh, with Andy J pizza, uh, okay. the creator pep talk. Uh, and, and there was, um, he's, he's a great, he's a great artist and he just does a lot of like motivational, uh, you know, pep talks for, for artists. <laughs> there was one thing he said, and I think it just, it just really resonated with me. And it's, um, you start to play, uh, the legend of Zelda, for example, or any of those open world games, you can go straight to the castle and straight to the biggest challenge. Uh, and they're probably going to beat your ass, or you can do all these side quests and get the tools that you need, get the armor that you need, get the weapons that you need, get all the stuff that you need in order to, to go and face that, um, you know, that, that asshole. And, um, I think that's, that's kind of like the journey, how it is, right? I mean, I had to be a graphic designer and probably being a graphic designer has helped me to become a better artist and to make better puppets. Uh, it's given me a sense of simplicity of, of, you know, making things graphic, making things readable. Um, even on the way that I work, I, I am, I'm probably more organized on the way that I, on my workflow because of my graphic design experience. Right. So, you know, stuff here and there that you see that everything adds to, to the final product and even if it looks like a mess when you're in it, because it really does, <laughs> it's, uh, it looks like you have no idea what you're doing. And I probably didn't have any idea what I was doing. It just makes sense when you see it from afar. Right. You're like, okay, I see why, I, I see how everything added up to 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 this. Yeah, that that's wonderfully worded and obviously a good reflection more than anything else. Like, honestly, when you were talking about that, I think about like, you know, this podcast itself, you know, there, there are times to where I've discussed this with a couple of other guests, but I've, I've thought to myself, you know, imagine if I had started this podcast like, you know, five or ten years earlier or something like that. You know, if I, if I had just hunkered down and try to find something. But I also think that like if I didn't, if I did it then then when i actually did start it or whatnot like i wouldn't have like the same appreciation for the artist now that i did back then i wouldn't have kind of the same skills that i've more or less developed you know getting to have this connectability with people or whatnot you know i wouldn't have kind of the resources then that i would have now or whatnot so it's it's always mm -hmm. it's always interesting to have that reflection but you know at the same time like you can attest to this. You can't really go back and change the past at this point. Like you can only take what the experience that you have learned from it and apply it to what you're doing now. And I mean, if nothing else, if I do say so, the stuff you're applying it to nowadays or whatnot, I think it's been worth every single step of that journey so far. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And then I think exactly what you said, having you, you walk the road and you pick up the skills necessary. So then, when the opportunity arises or, or something happens, you have the skills, right? Uh, if the Nickelodeon stuff would have happened four years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to do what I did. You know, uh, if the book covers would have happened a couple of years ago, maybe I wouldn't have had, uh, uh, the skills necessary to deliver a, a good product and yeah patience man i think that's the thing like we are we are so very used to instant gratification and we like fast things right we are you know the 
the microwave culture of like set it for a minute and it'll be ready and it's and it's um it's not like that and you know we have um uh, and the waiting um i i'm rereading this book called atomic habits um uh and it talks about something that is how we expect things to go and is it linear of course yep. and linear uh but it's usually not it's curved so there's this point of you're working on stuff and you don't see it happening. You plant something and it doesn't sprout. Mm -hmm. And that's what is called, you know, you go, you start going to the gym and you're not immediately ripped the, by the first week, you know, like, <laughs> oh, this doesn't work. This is a waste of time. Um, same with art, you know, same with everything. And it's like, this doesn't work. And it's, it's I think he calls it the value of desperation of okay. the expectations that you have, which is linear and upwards and then reality. And there's this little like this valley that's where where a lot of us give up, right? It's like if it's not if I'm not seeing something right now, then it must not be working. Um, and he the example I think of a bamboo, the way that bamboos grow, you put the seed in and they don't grow for years, not even like a tiny little no. And then after a certain amount of years, it just grows exponentially and that's how we call like oh he was an overnight success and most people are like well that overnight success <laughs> has been <laughs> you know years and years of perfecting the craft of that person right um and and in the meantime you're that bamboo in the ground working and not and not being able to see those results right and i think that's a chance for any any human being <laughs> you know it's yeah. putting in the time and not seeing not seeing that reward i think that's you know that was i remember that was one of the most frustrating feelings of like dude i'm doing everything right i'm doing everything that i supposed to be doing i'm putting time and effort into my craft i'm mm -hmm. trying to promote it on social media i'm going to conventions i'm taking classes what is happening why am i not seeing that and and it's about that patience you know it's 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 not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week, in a month, in a year. Uh, for me, it took me 10 years. Uh, and and if I would go back, I would not have it any other way. You know, I mean, I think everything that I learned has made me the artist that I am today. Um, I think I would have just, if I could go back and say something to myself on those times, would be like, chill, you know, like, don't, 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 it, and it's hard, but it's to attach kind of like your self-worth to your art or your career. We do that all the time. And, and I guess for me it was like, well, but it's art. It's not like I want to be like, it's art, it's more, it's noble. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. Like it's at the end of the day, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, valuing, uh, yeah, valuing your self-worth and where you are in life through this art career and through any career really but um yeah i mean i think that's that's part of that's part of the thing you know yeah it's part of the creative process at the end of the day that that's that's wonderful words to live by more than anything else um abraham we've been talking a good good bit when it comes to just the art you've done the journey you've been on and i <laughs> i've lo i've loved every single bit of this discussion but for this next question if i may i want to go a little bit above and beyond i want to go unrealistic i want to go out there i want to give you more or less the dream scenario if i may let's say i am big shot right. mr Moneybags. i come up to you and like look 
Abraham, we know you've been able to do some incredible stuff. We saw your uh, Puff the Magic Dragon music video. We've seen Folklore. We've seen all the stuff you've been producing. And we know you can do so much more. We just want to give you that little extra, you know, bump, that little extra push if possible. We have connections to anyone and everyone in whatever industry possible. And more money than it should be possible. We should, probably should be investing in something like homeless shelters, stuff like that. We'll focus on that a little bit. Right now, we're focusing on you and you alone. If given this opportunity, what would be the Dream Abraham Matias project? And I think um, I've had this idea for a very long time um, for a feature, feature film. Okay. Um, which is um, like a take on immigration mixed with fantasy and kind of, you know, this traditional tale on Alice in Wonderland, okay. The Wizard of Oz, but in a take uh, of, of an immigrant uh, kid. Um, very rooted in Mesoamerican um, culture and 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 all of that and yeah I think that I think that would be it you know having I mean sometimes I think like well maybe it's puppetry would people even be interested in a feature <laughs> made of puppetry but I know that that's my my own my own brain canceling my dream you know <laughs> people are not going to be interested in that <laughs> self sabotaging as usual yeah. Uh, <laughs> But no, I think I think definitely that would be. It. I think we'd be able to to collaborate with a team of writers, um, or a writer, or a writer buddy, um, a co-writer, um, different artists. Kind of. Uh, I think with Pop the Magic Dragon, being able to work with people, um, as much as I do love working by myself and be able to have my hands on everything something really cool about working with people and being on set with people and and um that idea back and forth on ideas on perspectives on that kind of stuff i think yeah i think that that would be the dream scenario well that's that's what i definitely want to see especially knowing the the storytelling techniques you're able to implement and whatever you know the collaboration aspect and seeing the visuals you could potentially have in it whether it is puppetry or not puppetry stop motion you know however you want to tell this story i definitely want to to see that more than anything else i mean as mr moneybags obviously i think it'd be money well spent if i do say so myself <laughs> <laughs> but Sadly, we got to get down from the dream scenario. We got to get back to reality. And I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself, say, five to ten years from now? Ten years from now, um, I think. I think during those five years, the things that I that I would like to to be able to accomplish one um I would love to publish a book, uh, okay. a picture book, um, um, or maybe more than one. Hey. <laughs> uh, but that's definitely on that's definitely on my checklist to be able to tell uh, stories, illustrated stories uh, with with the puppets. Uh, I think that's one. Um, to be able, I love, I really love traveling. I think it's really healthy for my. You know, creativity and and just in general, um, I love seeing you know different cultures, different cities. I think that keep me fresh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know, not not necessarily becoming a nomad, uh, but being able to take 
puppets, you know, traveling puppets. You know, if you were like, hey, I want to spend six months in Greece, you know, I want to spend four months in Spain or in or go back to Mexico for for some time. Uh, okay. You know, kind of like kind of like that lifestyle. I think that's 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 something that I would love to do and. Um, with the myths and the folklore and all of that, uh, I would love to be able to have um, at least one short film every year, you know, of okay. different myths. If, it, if it's more, uh, that would be amazing. But you know, kind of have like that personal goal of, of achieving that. Um, one more thing, also getting involved in theater somehow. Okay. Um, I would love to explore more than paper puppets kind of uh, dive into the world of, you know, theatrical puppets and big puppets and all of that, I think my performance is something that makes me super nervous, <laughs> <laughs> something that is, is like the good kind of nervous, like, I want to see how that feels, you know, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I appreciate live performances so much, whether it's music or theater, uh, I think it's something that is so different from what we usually see in our tiny screens how we consume so much of of the art that's out there right. and seeing something live it's it's magical um so i think that's something that i that i would also love to tackle I'd, I'd this love to see, next five years I'd, I'd love to see that for all of those for i'd love to see all of that for you because i can only imagine how incredible this that i just wanted to say this funny little joke uh, theatrical puppets i believe they're called actors correct me if i'm wrong no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I think so, right? I think that's a term. <laughs> As we start to wind down the interview, I just have one last question I want to ask. Obviously, you've been deeply entrenched in art for as long as you can remember, whether it be the, the action figures you were making when you were a child to what you're doing nowadays. How important is art not just for you, but for the world as a whole? And for, Okay, for me... I think I just can't see my life without art would be extremely boring. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if you take that out of the equation, I just don't see what do people do on their free time? You know, like, <laughs> I think for me, like I cannot imagine uh, just like not having ideas and to create. I think that I don't want to say that it's, the purpose of my life, because uh, I don't think it's the thing like it's one purpose it enriches my life in ways that that that, you know, few things can. Um, during I think during the pandemic, it was really a transformative year, not only in my career that I found the puppets and, and my art and all of that. Um, but for me, the idea of you're going to have to go on lockdown and interact with very few people um, and just be in your house. I would like, I love this. <laughs> this is like the perfect scenario for me. <laughs> if we do one more of these, ah, hopefully we'll never have to do I hope uh, any of that again. But, uh, um, but you know, and, and, and I think I've talked to other artist friends um, and to non-artist friends. And, and I think we were able to be, to to find a lot of quality time in those in those times because we had something that just fed us during during those those isolating months right. year that it was um 
And and I think in that same line to the world, um, you imagine how the lockdown would have been without music or film or books, shows. Uh, we would have gone literally crazy as a species, yeah. I think. Um, so it so so it really I think it's very common to to play the role of art in society because it doesn't add anything of of physical value mm-hmm. to humanity. Uh, and I think we're kind of going back to the stories and the myths and one of the reasons why I love them so much. And uh, and and I think during the pandemic we were able to to show or to see or to experience the importance of art. Um, how important it really is to us as as humans. Um, how it gives it gives it gives us a space to enjoy. You know, it gives us space to to see these stories and and connect to each other and just find find a safe haven on on the difficulties of you know life and existence and then you see why did prehistoric men were drawing horses and animals on the caves and i think we're able to chase a little bit of that right like because life out there can be brutal and and horrible things do happen uh but we were able to be able to create and to enjoy those creations um it's one of the joys that only humans can experience right no other living species on this planet can can do that and and i think that's that's very beautiful it is it absolutely is and if i do say so well though that is wonderfully worded if i do say so myself um <laughs> that's all the questions that i have for you abraham um i've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise but i'm gonna share with a little bit more because it's my podcast i do what i want um <laughs> look abraham i I've already said time and time again how much I absolutely love the the creative venture that you're able to put yourself onto. You know, seeing the the stuff that you put out there, it's it's unique to a lot of the stuff that you see out there, and I enjoy that uniqueness, and I I, I cherish and consume as much as I can because I love seeing like different kind of art forms being presented. And what you're pushing out there is some of the most unique stuff and some of the most stunning stuff, and I cannot get enough of it. Getting a chance to sit down and talk to you, get to really hear your backstory, get to see kind of the stuff you're able to produce, like hear the process behind it more than anything else. Um, I, I absolutely love like hearing your story more than anything else. I already had enough like love and respect for what you do, but especially knowing what, what has gone behind it more than anything else, it gives me a whole different level of love and respect for what you do. Um, like knowing kind of everything that's gone into it and the culmination of everything. Like Thank you. It, it, it's, it's wonderful knowing what you're doing, what you're doing to push yourself forward. It's, it's wonderful knowing there's a lot of love and passion behind what you're doing. And I look forward to seeing that, which is about every single piece that you do, because I know there's going to be a lot going into it. And I appreciate that. The, the long and the short of it, of me rambling is, Thank you so much for what you do, Abraham. Keep up the incredible work, and please, 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 please don't stop, because what you're doing, I, I think everyone needs to see it at some point. It's stunning what you're doing, and I cannot wait for more. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying that, and uh, I don't think I could stop even if I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> Good. that i can't I, stop it's like it's i swear i think and, and a lot of artist friends i think we have that thing of like 
I don't want to be doing, I, I don't even want to be making art. It's like, I can't stop. That's a problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, logically, it doesn't make even sense uh, at points in life of like, why am I even bothering with this thing? And then <laughs> you can't stop. So you do it and then you do something cool. And like, okay, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad something else is like, am I a puppet myself? And I've been controlled <laughs> by something. <else. laughs> um, you are a puppet so, yeah, and God is the puppeteer. Now I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> So no, but I but I I appreciate I appreciate everything that that you that you've said. I appreciate that you invite me to your podcast. Um, yeah. I had a blast. I haven't. I don't think I've. I don't. I think it might might be my first podcast interview. If I really can recall another one. So so thank you, <laughs> thank well, you for 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 inviting me and asking any questions and and all that. Well, thank you for your time more than anything else. I appreciate you again, just basically spilling your guts out to me for a little bit so I can get kind of the, the interpretation of, uh, thank you for allowing me to learn your mythology more than anything else. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm telling you, I'm going to steal a bunch of stuff you said for my own website, <laughs> for my bio. <laughs> well, if, the, if people want to see the stuff that you're eventually going to put on that website or just see the stuff that I've been gushing about for the past, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours at this point, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Yeah, so you can um, you can see my work at abrahammathias.com. Uh, that's where I post all all my pretty much all my stuff uh, on Instagram. I am as Abe Matthias, A B E Matthias. Um, I believe I'm I am on TikTok, of course. Uh, it's Abraham Matthias. <laughs> I just forget that I have TikTok. I'm like, oh, I haven't posted like in like few months. I probably should do something about it. Um, I have a Twitter, but I even use it even probably less now with all the drama going on yep. Yep. <laughs> um but yeah and oh i'm really working on um posting more stuff on my youtube channel i think that's the thing that that i really want to focus on hopefully um with a lot of the myths and folklore to be able to do um some other shows for youtube i think that's that's one of my next projects um and yeah that's where you can find me well there you go and if you missed any links i'll be sure to have them in the description below so that people can truly find you because if, if they're not if they don't know your stuff by now they really need to um do you have any final words before we sign off uh no just uh once again thank you so much for for inviting me um if they're and if any of your listeners they're artists which i assume they many of them are uh and and you know it's 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 the journey it's the journey to find the art, to find the stories you want to tell, to find your medium, and and we we get there. You know, yeah. you will get there. I, I I I got there, and there were many times that I'm like, what's the point of this? Maybe I'm just not cut to do this type of work. Uh, you know, I guess you know to end on a on a inspiring note. You know, just don't give up. You know, there's all the all the circling and all the confusion and frustration that sometimes one feels of not being able to make a living as an artist. Um, it's, 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 that's part of the journey, you know, that's part of the journey. And, and, and when it does make sense, it feels, it just feels amazing to see, to, you know, to feel proud for yourself of not giving up. Um, and and yeah just just keep going keep creating and and you know the world needs the world needs art and will always need art 
made by humans, not AI. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, uh, all the human art that we can get. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for much for inviting me. It's 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 great to talk about you know kind of like the journey out loud because yeah. like the stuff that you know, but it's, it's uh, it's it's different to kind of hear yourself talking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> That's, um, that's one of the main reasons why I started this podcast in the first place, having people talk about that journey, because as you can attest to this, you know, as incredible as the art that you put out there or whatnot, sometimes the journey to get to that point is just as incredible. Absolutely. Just like the movie's great, but the behind the scenes, sometimes it's, <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is wonderful words to end on. And all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. <laughs> Hasta luego. Thank you so much for sticking it to the end. If this is your first time listening, I greatly do appreciate it. Uh, this episode, I will be 100% honest, this was a fun episode. You know, getting the different perspective when it comes to Abraham, how he had grown up, uh, the different form of art that he is toying around with, that not everyone gets a chance to really experiment with, hearing more or less his journey. That's what this podcast is all about. Getting his perspective more than anything else, I... I truly enjoyed that conversation. That was it was a fun one, and you know it. It just reminds me once again, forever and always, what this podcast is about more than anything else. Truly, getting the artist perspective for some incredible stuff because anyone could look at what Abraham does and know in a heartbeat that it's talented, it's incredible. Because not everyone could do that kind of puppetry stuff. But really getting kind of like the inside look of Abraham and how he goes about it and such, that's that's what I crave more than anything else. You know, it just reminds me, like always, what this podcast is about. You know, since I started this podcast over two years ago, thinking of the different kind of artists I've been able to immerse myself in, thinking of the different communities I've been able to really absorb and really get a cool perspective on, Really getting to immerse myself in all sorts of different art forms, getting to really rediscover what the the process and the work ethic that goes behind that kind of stuff. I I feel like this podcast, if you have never listened to it before now, is a true learning experience more than anything else. Not to say that I did not consider any of this stuff art beforehand. But ever since I've really gone on this journey and talked to all these different people and really get a good perspective on their insight, it gives me a new love and appreciation that I don't think I've ever really had before. Like, I've always been someone that loved art, but truly getting their perspective, their mentality more than anything else, it 
it's fulfilling. That's all I could hope for with this. And trust me, with the guests I have coming up, uh, with the guests I'm hoping to get, the guests I'm going to be reaching out to and trying to bring on the podcast, you know, I'm always looking for that new experience to really get immersed in. You know, as of late, I've had a good couple people call me a journalist because of what I do. I would like to hope maybe I'm considered a journalist, but I don't really know. I never considered it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's professional journalism right there. No. Um, I've never really considered this more or less a journalistic ex expert. No, a journalism. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'd never really thought of this as like a journalistic. I never thought of this as like a career as a journalist. I never really thought of this as kind of a, a route of journalism. I've just always considered this fun. I've always, this has been more or less a hobby for me that if I'm going to be blunt, I wish could be my career. I'd love to be considered like a professional journalist or whatnot, but you know, thinking about what a journalist does, they take the time they sit down, they do the research, they get invested in a topic, they go into the field, they immerse themselves in whatever topic they're trying to do, and then they try to tell a story based on what they've accumulated. Thinking of it like that, yeah, I'm kind of a journalist. Well, again, I don't really think of myself as one. I just think of myself as a human being genuinely interested in and what my guests have to say. And I sincerely hope that you guys are along for that ride. I sincerely hope you guys are enjoying what the guests have to say as well. And I sincerely hope you're a part of that journey along the way. Thank you guys for the continued love and support. Uh, I hope that with every subsequent episode, it grows more and more. And I hope you guys get to truly enjoy every single guest I bring on board. I know I'm certainly going to enjoy every single step of this process, and I sincerely hope you enjoy it as well.